You are listening to Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Finley Medical Clinic. We serve uninsured, underinsured, and insured individuals. Open Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Urgent Care Clinic Friday and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Call for an appointment at 414-988-3079. Finley Medical Clinic is accepting new patients. Vaccines and screenings for uninsured, underinsured, and insured. Located at 10721 West Capitol Drive, Suite 110. Call our office for an appointment today at 414 
History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. You are listening to Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Hotep and greetings, my sisters and brothers, and welcome to the Black Reality Think Tank. I am your host, William Rogers, and we are here again on another Tuesday evening as we prepare to embark on a discussion for the empowerment of our community. We thank you so much, as always, for your participation, uh, for your patronage. Well, we don't take that lightly. We enjoy so much having you on, enjoy these conversations that we have each and every Tuesday night. We are operating on the Time for an Awakening uh, broadcast network, and we are the Black Reality Think Tank. We are call-in format. You can call us here at uh, 215-490-9832. I repeat, 215-490-9832. And you can do that for those of you who are listening via the Internet. If you want to ask questions or join in our conversation when we prepare to, uh, to do that. But we are looking forward to a very empowering conversation. Uh, my guest tonight is, uh, I, re I referenced him in our promotion as the guru of the mentoring process. We're dealing with our young men, our boys, our black babies, uh, who we are saving, we are trying to save uh, and to provide them with a steady and sturdy platform uh, to proceed into manhood. And so that's what we're here to talk a little bit about tonight. Uh, we live in a different world than what many of us uh, came up in, uh, and we are being challenged by so many things. Uh, it is just unbelievable on a day-by-day -day basis what we are facing uh, on this planet. Uh, just understand today there was a, uh, another mass killing, shooting. Fourteen children uh, were assassinated, killed today uh, in the state of Texas. Uh, one teacher and one grandmother were killed today by a lone gunman supposedly a lone gunman, and uh, he was also killed as well. Uh, but that is the kind of thing that we are facing day by day. We are clearly uh, looming and looking into the eyes of what very well could potentially become a uh, major war uh, on this planet, uh, and that is, is escalating daily. And so according to news medias and some of the things that are being reported, some of the things that are being said very clearly indicates that. So we, we have to prepare our children. 
we have to prepare them on how to uh, embrace this, uh, you know, how they must present themselves as they grow older. All of us are not going to be here to see them uh, mature into manhood. So we want to give them and arm them with uh, some knowledge and some understanding uh, about their life. And that's our duty. That's the duty of the parent. That's the duty of the community uh, to do that. And so that's kind of what we are trying to do here at the Black Reality Think Tank. That's what we have been doing. And we are working on that daily <laughs> to make sure that uh, uh, we can and provide that in a wholesome and healthy way. Uh, we also uh, are looking out as well until we talk about the subject tonight, which is mentoring. You know, we're not leaving out our women either. Uh, so we definitely include them in uh, this discussion as well. Uh, but we want to look at uh, some of the black male issues that are obviously facing us and have faced us for so quite some time. Uh, when each generation has its own set of problems, and, and obviously the, the community within those generations responds and works in ways to do that. When I was coming up in the Carolinas, North Carolina in the 50s, uh, it was lynchings and Klansmen and night Riders and uh, some of those kinds of things that we face daily. And I recall both my mother and my father schooling me intensely about things. A lot of times I didn't understand them, but they were intensely schooling me on uh, how to carry myself forward as I went out into the world. And so uh, tonight we have a wonderful brother, a dear friend of mine. We, he and I sit sometime and have talked two and three hours on this subject, uh, and uh, I have asked him to join us tonight, and uh, let's share some ideas to our community and to our guests and to our listening audience on how we can reach this generation of young males. How do, how do we do that? What is it? What are the tools that we can use uh, to do that based on, uh, you know, his experience? Uh, his name is uh, Mr. Philip Scott. He was the director of a mentoring program uh, and uh, called the Boys to Men Mentoring Program, which was a part of the Opportunities Industrial Centers of Greater Milwaukee. And uh, that program had been started by the local chapter here in Milwaukee, and uh, it was being operated by a chair uh, that had been presented to the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee called the Sullivan Spates Chair named after Mr. Leon, Dr. Reverend Dr. Leon Sullivan, uh, who founded OIC uh, out of Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, and Dr. Spates, uh, who was a professor of geography at the University of Wisconsin. And so that chair was called the Sullivan Spates Chair. And he operated that program in a way that uh, uh, would allow it to reach out into the community and do some things. And so one of the things that he did was he created uh, uh, a mentoring program. And uh, Mr. Scott was brought on board uh, to pull that together. And then I appreciate so much he then asked me to join him uh, so that we can help write the curriculum uh, to do that as well as the curriculum uh, to train the men that were doing it. So that was a, a bonding here. That was a brotherhood uh, <coughs> that was created out of this uh, uh, initiation. 
and I appreciate him so dearly for doing that. And then uh, as we moved forward this, with this program, we reached out into other areas as well. Mr. Scott now is the executive director of an organization called the Organization of Community Concerns. And I'm going to let him share that with you about what that organization does. But it is a community grassroots organization. It is headquartered uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. And he'll explain to you how that works as well and what it is tr- attempting to do. So this, this is great. And, and, and then also he is a native Milwaukeean as well, but he's now into the warm, warm city of Phoenix. And he doesn't hesitate to tell me that the temperature is 90 when in Milwaukee it's 40, 30. So you know how that makes me feel. <laughs> but anyway, um, this is what we are going to do this evening. And we're going to talk about mentoring and bring him on and let's discuss uh, this. And so let's get right into it right now. So with that, good afternoon, Mr. Scott. How are you doing? Uh, my brother, let me open up your mic. Okay, how are you doing tonight, my brother? I'm doing just fine. Good afternoon to you too, Dr. Rogers, and thank you for having me on. I yes, really indeed. appreciate it. Yes, indeed. I really do appreciate that. And uh, you've been in this battlefield for a long time uh, doing this kind of work. And uh, because of the nature of the Opportunity Industrial Centers of, of Greater Milwaukee, uh, they had their hands on a lot of areas. Uh, and at the time that you started this, the, the governor of the state was, was Dr. was uh, Brother Tommy Thompson, and uh, he was there. Uh, and he was he later became the Secretary of Health, Human Health, uh, Health and Human Services uh, for the for the federal government. And also, you were able to bring in other programs like the mentoring children of incarcerated parents and some of those, those other things that I want you to talk a little bit about tonight. So, uh, Brother Scott, you ready to get on with it? Yes, I am. Okay. I'm really excited. All right. Well, let me start off by asking this question so we make sure that we're all on the same page and everybody knows uh, in the, the approach in which we are taking why don't you uh, ident- uh, uh, identify the word, uh, define the word for me, mentoring. Uh, we hear it a lot because uh, uh, there are some mentoring things that we do. Uh, as I said in our promotion, there are things that we do formally uh, where we have textbook mentoring and then we have it an informal mentoring. So for the sake of our discussion tonight, uh, how do you define the mentoring that we are talking about that you were doing with OIC and what you are doing with your... Uh, program. Why don't you define that for us? Well, I, I'm glad you stated the question that way because there there are other facets of mentoring, um, but the mentoring that we we, we were doing uh, and we we still do is a traditional one-on-one mentoring, uh, providing uh, uh, support to young men uh, and guidance. And, friendship and uh, counsel, just being a supportive person, particularly during times when uh, they really need a shoulder to cry on. Uh, sometimes they just need someone to talk to, and sometimes they just need someone to have fun with. Okay. Um, so, in my view, that's what a mentor is, and, and that's what my mentor was today. Okay, okay. Yeah, right, exactly. So basically then, it's, it's really a, a movement of the village of life, right? We, 
I mean, because very clearly this is this is done in formal ways, and then like you said, it's done sometimes in just haphazard ways. I remember in the community that I came up, which was city of North Carolina, that that was most of the mentoring was done with us was informal. It was just men in our neighborhood who would stop yeah. and talk to us. <laughs> you know, what what is the what is the uh, benefit do you think that has? What is the evaluation of mentoring? Uh, as a as an institution, from your knowledge and from your understanding, that what is the value of it? The value of it, uh, is a, it's just like my mentor used to say to me: "It's the end that justifies the means." Uh, you know, it's what you instill in a person is what you get out of a person. Uh, it's just like you would talk about measurable objectives, and we would set out to do certain things with. Uh, certain projects as it pertains to you and we would check the data and, and, and see if we met our goals to see if we actually did do what we set out to do and that was to instill uh, good things in uh, young people you know to teach them about the morals and values of being a young man and, and just how to live life and to understand what community is and be supportive of your community, respect your elders, to understand and know what it is to have a, a, an education, and that school is not a play place, but a place uh, a place of learning, to go to school to learn, and come out with something that so you can go on, go out in the world mm-hmm. and, and be someone and, and live your life without a lot of hectic things, hustles and bustles, and of life and things that just hold you down. Um, it was people like my mentor, Charles Warren, and, and even you coming along that taught me a lot of things, and particularly Charles Warren at, at a very young age, that really, really gave me a lot of excitement about being a mentor because, uh, I mean, I did so many things and messed up so many times, but he was always by my side. Right. And he always talked to me, said a lot of great things. But we had a lot of fun as well. He was fun, and he was fun, you know. And you, it was the same thing with you. It was not just all academics. Okay. Uh, it was mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of philosophical things that you instilled in me. A lot of things that that you gave to me, I passed on to a lot of other people and to the youth, you know. And you, you see some of these youth day or you be in contact with them and they moved on to have a beautiful life and doing very you know good things and and they remember the things that they experienced in the mentoring program they said that a lot of this uh, you know the things that they experienced in mentoring is what contributed to their success today right exactly okay so let me uh, let me ask you this uh, let's, let's play a, let's play devil's advocate a minute let's uh, let's 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 deal with the soothsayers okay um, somebody comes up to you and say Philip man that crap don't work these kids ain't gonna listen to you you know that they don't listen to their parents you know the hell well they ain't gonna listen to you you know why are you wasting your time like that brother how would you respond to that because somebody took their time and use it, use their time to help me. 
someone gave a lot of their time uh, to really help me turn out to be the person that I am today. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I credit my parents. I have beautiful parents and very firm parents. Uh, but uh, I had a mentor, and a strong mentor, who meant very well. And I was, I was in the courtroom three times, and each time he was there. Okay. He was not a judge, a judgmental person, but he seen something in, in me, and he stayed with me, and not only with me, with many others. There's many others who he, he has mentioned along the way, and, and it's just like with, with, with you, Dr. Rogers. I mean, you don't give up on people. Right. I've never seen you give up on anyone. You know, so if someone tells me something like that, you know, that goes in one ear and comes out the other because I know right. it. Right. Mentoring is tried and proven. That's right, exactly. Okay, all right, let's do this. Now, we know that, particular in Milwaukee, your, this program was operated in Milwaukee, um, and um, there, there have been there are several, many mentoring programs that operated in Milwaukee, uh, and some of them were very, very good, and they were extremely uh, invigorating. They had great ideas. Um, what was it about the OIC program uh, that was kind of unique in a sense. Uh, so kind of give us a layout of the mentoring uh, that was done under that umbrella. And the reason that I guess we focus on uh, Opportunities Industrial Center uh, is because of its size and its resources. So what was it that was unique about Opportunity Industrial Center mentoring program uh, that we ran? Tell us a little bit. Give us some design of that program. Well, what, what, what was really unique about the Sullivan Space Voiceman Mentoring Institute, <clears throat> the founder actually was Dr. Williams, Dr. Stanley L. Battle, and he was the Sullivan, the Sullivan Space uh, Distinguished Professor, the, the Sullivan Space Chair. Right. He had that professorship, and the, 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 the uniqueness was the program had a marriage with the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee. So everything that OICPM had in resources that it had to offer the program, a lot of things came from the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee as well. Just, just, just as you did, you know, uh, working at the university yourself, and I mean really grinding, you still made time for the program itself. So it was uh, the marriage between University of Wisconsin Milwaukee and Opportunity Industrialization Service of Greater Milwaukee really what made the program so unique in my view. And uh, a lot of people didn't know a lot about the late Reverend Dr. Leon H. Sullivan, Lion of Zion. Right. And people got an opportunity to learn so much about him and all the things that he contributed to humanity as a whole and to the world at large. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that we just didn't know, but this was this man was a giant. Mm -hmm. And so to have a program, you know, named under his leadership was just beautiful. But mm -hmm. uniquely of course the fact that it had the marriage of University of Milwaukee and opportunities and what industrial center of Great Milwaukee. Right. Right, exactly. And you know, it, and and I ask that uh, because what one of the things that I observed is that 
with the various mentoring programs that were operating in Milwaukee, there didn't seem to be a competitiveness. There was a there was a desire in many cases to work together, uh, and and I'm I'm just thinking about across the board as I look at some of the organizations out there that were doing some mentoring. Um, I remember one of the first ones I, I ran into in Milwaukee was a, a, a small uh, one that wasn't operated with a whole lot of resources, but it was a, a dedicated brother uh, who wanted to make it work, and that was the For My Brothers. That was a mentoring program called For My Brothers that was operated by uh, Brother Tony Courtney, uh, and that, uh, that was uh, really right at it. I mean, did a lot of creative things, and then, uh, you know, uh, some of the things that some of the, the, the black Boy Scout chapters were trying to do. Uh, I remember uh, Brother Rod Rush and some of the others that were involved. You know, right. they, they were coming to you uh, to work and to try to get things because I think the key idea or the key factor is to be able to get the men. So how did, how did OIC get the mentors? Uh, to be able to do the mentoring. That's because that's one of the biggest issues. We've all said that. Well, as you well know, I was a community justice advocate with the Benefit Center for quite some time. Right. And our good friend, the late Jesus Stinson, actually, he trained me. But <clears throat> I went on another training uh, in Minnesota with the Camellia Foundation. It's called Week Long. And um, they trained, they, they, they trained, uh, they did an Alinsky-style training, uh, a solid Alinsky-style training system, program, should I say. Right. A curriculum, actually. And I learned it very well. And I, I, I incorporated with a lot of the things that I already knew. And okay. I learned that the path to power building was one-on-one. And so one of the key things that uh, Greg Lusso would always say, how many one-on-ones are you going to do this week? How many, you know, and so is it 15, is it 20, is it 50, is it 100? But you try to get in as many one-on-ones as you can in a week or uh, or more. You know, right. And that would, that would be your power base. So I went on, on a mission, I had a mission of, Everyone that I knew, having one-on-ones with them, and meeting one person would mean that I would meet someone else, and someone else, and someone else, and I continued to follow up and follow up and follow up, you know, doing one-on-ones. And, and, and as you well know, the goal was to match a thousand boys with a thousand men. Right, exactly, exactly. Because one of my first introductions to uh, mentoring was in back in 1986, <clears throat> when we decided to bring a black mil- black a 100 black men chapter to Milwaukee, and uh, you mm-hmm. remember that, and um, and I remember we had a lot of brothers came to the table. Now um, it was over 100, yeah. well over 100. Uh, but again, to do the mentoring was a something else. Uh, that was another initiative that it would take uh, to get everybody locked in to do mentoring. So we tried to make rules and regulations to say that everybody that was a member had to have a mentee, uh, but that wasn't always the case. Uh, and then um, uh, we did the group mentoring, like you said. We had group mentoring sessions. We had uh, breakfast with the boys uh, at St. Matthew's Church. 
on Sunday where we get a bunch of boys together and we look forward to try to getting boys. And then what really helped, if you remember, uh, is that we uh, reached out to the public schools. And uh, at that time, I was working for Dr. King Elementary uh, doing some consulting work because they were an African immersion school. And so the, the, the duty there was I was able to get the principal to let us come into that school and work with those boys. And that that was rough. That was really rough because those kids were coming from very distressed areas uh, and they were having many challenges in their lives, as you know, from talking to them and working with them on, on a day-to-day basis uh, to do that. So let me ask you, looking at that, because eventually the discussion, really what I want to get into is how are we going to reach these boys today? This is a different group. Uh, but the, what, do you, what did the mentor what did the mentor need to have? What was the qualifications that uh, the Sullivan Space Program used uh, to, to pick mentors? How did that work? Well, um, we used a uh, <clears throat> system really just uh, basically sitting down talking to people. And, and what we looked for was the compassion. Because you, really, you you had a recruiter, right? You did, you you had a recruiter. You had hired, didn't you? Oh well, you know, well, I eventually I just arrived. He came, he came along, and he worked. Well, I trained him, and he 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 was was became just as skilled as I was in recruiting mentors. And he, uh, in fact, he 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 uh, he, uh, he he organized six other schools besides. Uh, team elementary school. He negotiated. It was six or other uh, contracts that we had with MPS schools that he negotiated that, that, that we got to go into those other schools and work. Mm-hmm. But he was a he was a very uh, he, he knew a lot of people. But he, uh, once he really learned all of the dynamics uh, of how to recruit mentors, he was very skillful at it. Very, he was very good. Okay. Very good. And I say could talk to many. He could talk to many different people on many different levels. Right. And he could talk across different racial lines very easily. Very easily. Right. Because you you even reached out to the black church, didn't you? Absolutely, we did. We uh, you know, a lot of people will wonder how do we get to the church? How do we get this person, that person? And one of one of my. Uh, I give my one of my secrets away in terms of getting the passes. That 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 can be a task, a real task. But right, if right. you get to that first lady, you get to the first lady, you will get to that pass. You know, but uh, I speaking of the churches, uh, brother Charles Palmer, uh, very fine mentor that worked with us for years. And uh, he's also Christian Faith, Faith Fellowship Church. And we were coming up with ideas one day. He came up with this idea of Red Night Out. And uh, Red Night Out was a, was a night that every we did every year. We were, all, all the kids would come out. A lot of the mentors would come out. <clears throat> we had uh, this uh, ventriloquist, uh, Mike Woody. Uh, he had this uh, magician, Mark Bond. Uh, we had... Um, Martial art demonstrations with uh, May rest in peace, Thomas Peter, 
and also uh, from um, Mr. Warren's uh, school himself on, on, on Atkinson. He had uh, uh, some of the guys who came from uh, Israel, Acosta, and uh, Martin right. King's uh, boxing program. Many, many things uh, that we did at Red Night Island. And Brother Jeremy Bay, who's a pastor now, he was a great cook. Um, yes. And he used to cook all of the food. So yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Food, food and fun. Right. Every year. And one thing that happened that uh, that, that night at one, at that function, this guy named Neil Tate, uh, and I didn't, I never knew, but uh, uh, Andre Ellis told me this gentleman had a, had a he had a he had an Oscar, and he was a musician, and I didn't know this, but he had an Oscar, and uh, he had a mentee. And he told me, he said that uh, I, I found a drum set for the young man. Right. And I think it's a you know, really good drum set. I just need someone to go to the, to, the, to the music store and pick it up and deliver it to his home. Yeah. And, and I just thought that was like, wow. That's just, beautiful. I was just yeah, taking back that. Now, one of the things that I remember, and maybe you could just talk about this a little bit. And we're, we're going to open up our lines soon and uh, give our audience, because you have some folk on now that I know that were also operated mentoring programs uh, around their online, give them a chance to talk a little bit about their experiences. But one of the things that uh, I clearly like is that the, uh, the OIC program allowed for uh, diversity in activities for the youth and for their, um, uh, for the mentees and for their mentors, uh, and we're talking about things like, for instance, you had uh, karate. Uh, all of the mentees would, would go to karate training uh, on on Saturday. I think it was on Saturday afternoon. You had uh, chess. Uh, they would yes. go up to sweet, uh, go up to a sweet black coffee um, yes. up on East Burline. They had uh, chess tournaments. And chess game. You taught them chess, and uh, uh, and then we took them on field trips uh, a couple of yes. times, and uh, those were some of the things. What 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 was that experience like? I mean, in terms of if you had to evaluate that, do you think that was helpful? Did it? Did you see the results? And I know it was helpful. Uh, one of the schools that we worked in, there was a teacher that said the only solution that was going to help those children prison and we had those children out for three days and two nights 141 plus children and each time every year we've done this, done this we did sometimes we did it twice a year because we collaborated with spirit of the men right uh, and what, what was that what was spirit of the men what was that what was spirit of the men um was 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 uh a committee of men that met every Friday from 11.30 to 1 o'clock. And we would talk about, it was a planning session, and, and it was a big spread of food that was catered in every Friday. And we'd sit around and talk. We'd do the planning for the event that was going to happen maybe I think it was like every June. From January into June, we would meet every Friday. And one day, Matt Brutus said to me, he said, yeah, so all that was great. Let me tell you something. None of that wouldn't have happened. Okay. If we didn't establish the spirit in all those men in that room every Friday. Okay. To get that job done. And, and, and one of his things that he did was uh, he would take the kids over to UWM. 
for those last those was those were two days and one night. And then we went on some other trips that were three days and two nights. Uh, and, and then we had the tiny town fuse facility that we used for uh, two days and one night. Okay. You know, so we we did that every year. Okay. Every year we've done that. And we never had a problem. We never had kids fighting. We never had a situation where adults were being disrespected and, and you know, cursed out and all those different types of things. And they were return back to the schools and say, How did you do it? How did you do it? And it was just a matter of all of us coming together, being bonded together. You're right. Really that's right. Understanding those, you, that's it. We just, we just dealt with them, you know, like regular everyday people. Yeah, yeah. And, none, and nothing, no special training other than the curriculum itself that, that you can talk about, the seven R's, that the curriculum that you developed, uh, you can probably do an overview and outline of that yourself, which was very helpful, that, that you did every Saturday. And they would, that was from 11.30 to 1 o'clock, every Saturday. Right. And every Saturday was crowded, every Saturday. You know, you would say, how do you get these men in this training every Saturday like that? But every Saturday, each training was full. Right. Because we even got the brothers from the nation to come and participate, uh, which was very well, good. Very good. You know, it was threefold. Native Americans, it was African Americans, African American, Native American, and Latino Americans. Right, exactly. And, and we, we did a great job with African Americans and Latinos. And, uh, but the Native American community was very close. They were nice, but it was a very close community. They, they just, it was just hard to get into. But in those meetings, they gave us a lot of history, a lot of history about what they did on the reservations and doing slavery and how they helped us and so many different things. But right. Well, they, let, let me add, let, right. let me ask this. Um, you know, today in terms of social programming and uh, programming involving health and human services, there's a concept that a lot of times the the funding source and so forth wants you to give evidential um, evaluation of your program and what is it uh, that's evidentially that you can that you can that you can produce. So uh, the key is what 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 type of evidence uh, can you offer our listening audience that some of this was working and it was uh, getting uh, to the children and and it was helping empower them uh, to do some things. What 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 method was used to do that? Well, <clears throat> the, the, the the programs and things that we had them involved in. First of all, the trips that we went on, uh, no problems on the trips. Um, the behavior, you know, that was always good. Right. Everything, like the, the, the martial arts that they were involved in, they, they were successful and for the times that they stayed and succeeded in that. Chess, the chess tournaments and such, they, they were competitive. They were into it. They, they, they got involved. Um, the academic support, like Dr. Danville Well, sponsors a, a, a computer lab for a, a, a summer, and every every Saturday those kids 
be at the computer lab and they all learn. They all learn basic fundamentals about computers. Uh, at at, uh, my, at uh, Martin Luther King School, where you 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 where we, you you brought me in over here with you, well, it was still us. But the knowledge, the knowledge, instance, that that we uh, that we developed and we, we had those children were studied. They were they, they were they they were well studied. Right. And we we facilitated it. We held it. They came front and center, and the questions that were asked, they were answering them. They were answering them correctly, appropriately. I mean, and we we had we, we had that uh, video. We aired it on television on Matter Community Media. So all of those things are showing that these children were involved, and they were they were they were uh, very very much doing what they were supposed to do to succeed in, in every program and project that we set before them. So, and, and, and you, we could even go back to some of the teachers and the schools and, and check some of the grades. Right. Grades had changed. Right. Behaviors had changed. We were going home and talk to the parents. And, 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 and you know, the home visit. You know, that's always Right, there. that's true. We had home business, yeah. Talk about, talk about uh, how things are changing, and uh, and sometimes it will call you to home, you know, to talk to a child, you know, and and it, it, those things uh, just show that the mentoring was worked worked for a lot of them. Exactly. Those and those and, and we documented that uh, in a in a system that in a tracking system that we had, and it it was and it was compiled data that. We could we could break it down and show the progress for every project and program, and when you just bring it all up to one number or whatever, would show uh, pretty much like a, a 90, 95 to a ninety-seven percentile success rate. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, what, what, one of the things I want to say to our listening audience, what we are trying to spell out for you <clears throat> is to see the, the diversity and the brevity uh, in, in, a, in a mentoring program and what needs to happen uh, to make it work uh, and, and what, who needs to be involved. And it really boils down to something that we already know. It, it must take the community. We must have every facet of, of things that are around us working with it with their hands in it, even if they can't do it on a consistent basis, at least sometimes. And I think that's one of the things that the the Sullivan Spates uh, Boys to Men mentoring program out of Opportunity Industrial Centers did uh, was that it got the whole community involved, all different elements of it. And we understand that they did have the resources uh, to do that. And uh, we, we not thought Look at overlooking that factor, and those resources were um, helpful. But Mr. Scott, as he can tell you, had to be accountable to him, uh, and uh, he was the perfect person for it because he knew many people in the community who were doing that and doing the kind of work and were effective in doing it uh, to get involved anyway. And then we embraced a lot of people that were already doing mentoring programs. There was a, a, a program in Milwaukee called Fatherhood Initiative. It was operated by uh, a friend to both of us, Brother Terrence Ray, 
Uh, you got him involved in it. Uh, you got uh, a lot of your local politicians were involved in it. Um, and they, they were participating. So, and that's how it has to be done. And so for those of you who are uh, interested in starting a mentoring program or putting one together, as you draw it out the blueprint, uh, that's something you have to consider is that you've got to find a way uh, to work everybody into it so that they bring their talents and their skills. Okay, all right, so now, Mr. Scott, we're talking 1990, uh, right, mostly the 90s, uh, into some of the 2000s that we are dealing with that. Uh, our community uh, at that time was many of the issues and challenges of our community um, were, um, were there then, uh, they, they are there now, uh, but in some cases, I would argue that they have been heightened um, by different factors. And you can, I'm, I'm open to be critiqued on this. Um, you know, the escalation of prescription drugs, for instance, has taken over, and a lot of our young people uh, are on addicted prescription drugs, prescription drugs you can buy from the drugstore, <laughs> you know, in some cases. Um, there is a uh, a wider split in the uh, disparities of economics, uh, employment <laughs> for the parents. Uh, you got COVID now. Um, you got the, the prisons that are just uh, off the chain. You know that are at work uh, as well. You got now here in Milwaukee, for instance, you got this. This uh, automobile thing, uh, where these kids are stealing cars and racing them and doing all kind of things up and down the the access to guns. So that's a that's a little bit. Would you say that's a little bit of a different dynamics than back in the nineties? I want to make sure that's clear first. Is that is that a, is that something that you would be willing to say, or would you say it's all the same? No, it's, it's a big difference. But I think in the nineties. Law enforcement was a lot more involved. Uh, okay. Like, say, for instance, uh, Judge Jared Mosley. He was a community prosecutor okay. during that time when I was I was uh, a community organizer around the Ambrosian Project. And, and all the way through, into the mentoring. And he was involved with the mentoring as well as Spirit Man. Uh, former Assistant Chief uh, Ray Banks. Okay. He was a uh, 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 community liaison police officer, and, and they, they would be in all of the different types of community meetings and, and a lot of the functions and participating, uh, mentoring and being with the youth and all of those kind of things. So, and, and when you have a, a meetings, uh, whether it's uh, black club meetings or if, uh, entire, uh, well, they had clusters. One they had clusters, five clusters. And so if you brought all five clusters together, they would be there. If it was one cluster, they would right. be there. And a lot of times, the gangs and things were, were were doing different things, and people were afraid to say things. But when they would come to the meeting, they could address, they could talk to Derek, they could talk to Ray, and oftentimes the county supervisors and all the people, Martin Johnson, uh, Dorothy King, you know, uh, Judge Khan, even, you know, would come to the meeting. And listen to all these impact things, and then and, and uh, Chef Lev Bartman himself, okay, you know, would come to these meetings, and, and they they would take those things 
and you, you, they would actually discuss them in committees and from uh, in full form. Okay. Know? And then they were, they were setting up things to stop that. Right. And it seems like now, to me, there are not mechanisms in place to stop things, or they're not as proactive now as like they were back then. That, in my view, that's okay. what I see. Well then, do do this for me, Mr. Scott. Give us a give me you know as close as you can uh, a profile of the 16, 17, 18 year old today uh, that's that's out here, black males uh, that are in the streets of America today that you know about. You you are in Arizona. Uh, you you've got uh, uh, you're close. Your grandson is there. He's got friends. You see what they look like and what they're doing, what their interests are. You know, um, and then obviously you got sons yourself. Uh, so, what, what it, give me a profile of uh, young black men today you think that are out here that might be in a distressed situation. What does that look like? What is the, what is their distression that, uh, that they're going through? What is it that we are dealing with now among black families in 2022? Well, well. The economic problem—that's that's always there. Uh, yeah. uh-huh. You know, I mean, that's always a, a, a major stressor. Uh, and then you have <clears throat> the profile of still the gang members. You know, uh, okay. which my grandson was involved in that, but um, they—they—they're still there. Okay. And they're still out here doing that, and guns. Guns are a lot more accessible to youth now than they were then. You, you see a lot more youth with guns now than it was back then. I think there's well uh, studies that show that you got you got more shootings and you have more youth and more violence and more killings from gun violence with youth. Today than you did in the nineties, and in two thousand than you did in the nineties. Right. And I think that because you have a more uh, the law enforcement law enforcement had a more proactive approach about things, they were able to get a handle on stuff. But now it's just it, it's just rampant. It's just wow, you know, they they don't have a handle on. It. Okay. Don't give me a... Okay. So I mean, if that answers the question. I'm sorry, say it again. That was somebody came on. If, 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 if that answers the question. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I mean, that's because I know that's that's not an easy uh, question because you would have to have more facts in order to really get a detailed right. assessment of what that looks like. But just from our own observation, like I have grandsons who are 18, um, and one of the, the clear things is that they are coming to the table incomplete with their education process. They are still not learning who they are uh, and uh, where they've been and who their people are. Uh, They are still not families that are whole. Everybody's struggling to eat. Um, You know, COVID has shattered the black family uh, tremendously. Uh, You know, and obviously this gun violence, everybody's afraid to do things. So uh, some of the more social things that you could do uh, is a little fearful of being able to do. So, yeah, it, it's still hard to make that sense. So then the question, the bottom line question then, is how do we reach 
um, the 2022 COVID community? Uh, how do we how do we get out there? How do we reach there? Because that's what you got to take in consideration. That's COVID, uh, and that doesn't seem to be dead. Uh, and mentoring has always been face to face, one on one. Can you virtual mentoring? <laughs> and, and, and look at it, is that is that a possibility? How do you reach this generation of young boys? How do as our community prepare uh, to respond? Uh, if, COVID, if, if mentoring does do the job that we say it can do and has done, how do we use it today? Well, uh, I'll answer that two ways. One, if you if you already have a, a situation where a mentor and a mentee is matched and, okay, and COVID breaks out, and let's say you and I, we were still doing what we do, we were going to reach our people by phone and things of that nature. We could keep stay in touch by we were doing that anyway. Mm-hmm. We, we could have kept doing that, but uh, there is another, like I said, uh, other names of mentors, uh, other oh, types yeah. of mentors. Uh, there's, here's one called distance. Uh, distance mentor, you know, where you do long distance mentoring, you know, and uh, it's not necessarily something that uh, I can't say that is it's any factor, but I, I think anytime you're communicating and uh, if both participants are willing, I think that you can get some positive results out of it. But and right today, as you know, the way things are, I think that you can take precautionary measures of, of keeping yourself safe and make sure that the new key is keeping him or herself safe and continue to do the things that you do to make mentoring work. Okay. So what would what would what would a curriculum uh in mentoring uh components be today? What what kind of things would you have in it? I need to ask our audience please to mute your phones. Uh, brother Timothy, if you could do that, mute your phone please. Yes sir. I appreciate it. Uh-huh. Okay, go right ahead, Brother Scott. Well, I would would continue to raise consciousness, and and, and as you mentioned, uh, a lot of lot of youth today don't know who they are, and to continue to teach them who they are, where they came from, so they can know where they're going and what they need to do to get to where they want to be. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. And and that's where I feel. Right. If you continue to raise consciousness and awareness. They will be more conscious and aware. Right. And you teach them more about, you educate them, they will be equipped with the ability to make educated decisions. You know, so a lot of times people think an education is to go out and get a degree and mass a fortune of money. That's not always the case, but you are equipped with the ability to make educated decisions, right. informed decisions. Right. And as long as you're teaching them the right things in a session, whether they're one-on-one or the group or in a shadow session, you know, they will take these things and, and continue to utilize them in that growth and development process. Right, right. Now, do, do you think the missing father, uh, broken family, single-family-headed household situation is still prevalent today? 
Absolutely. Okay. I mean, so that's always, uh, you know, uh, I mean, that's, that, 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 that puts the nail on um, that, that is, that's real, very, very bad. I mean, you can, you can be a mentor and you can do a lot of things and a mentee will love you and follow you and what have you, but it's good that the absence of a father to me is like, some people may not understand this, but we used to go south uh, and visit my grandparents a lot. And at night, you could put your hand right up in your face and you, you couldn't see anything. To me, it, uh, a father not being in the home is like driving down <clears throat> a dark country road in a car with no lights, you know? <laughs> I like that. I mean, not having a father in the home, it, it, it's, it's, it's horrific. A mother, I mean, women, I mean, they don't get half the credit they deserve. Right. And, I mean, a lot of men say they can't be fathers, too, but some of them are fathers, too. It's in a different kind of way. But, no, they're not men, you know, but they do the best they can. Right. And then those women are going to go out and get men. It's just like you see a lot of women, you're at the barbershop, you see a lot of women bringing the kids, the boys, to the barbershop. You know them. The, the man's not there. And, and I think boys should have the barbershop experience. Right, exactly. A lot of times when a mentor gets involved, the mentor starts to take the boy to the barbershop. And the experience is much different from when mom or beach bring him and he's sitting there or and then all these different types of conversations are going on or she takes him and leaves, you know. Uh, but the okay. barbershop experience is very important for <coughs> So, so, so we may, we may have to bring uh, a focus on a stronger fatherhood initiative uh, for 2022 uh, in terms of the mentoring process. So, uh, we're going to open up our lines and bring on a couple of people that I know work on these fatherhood initiatives and uh, see what they think about that. <laughs> but before I do that, and uh, we go to our break, uh, tell us a little bit about what the organization of uh, Concerned Citizens does. What is that about? Positive community change. I mean, <clears throat> in a nutshell, uh, it's a little bit of everything that I've been doing in my, uh, uh, in, you know, endeavor to work in the community since I've been involved in community work. And that, you know, uh, it's a, the organization Community Concerns is a, a multi purpose community organization. And it's, you know, building strong, healthy minds. Uh, on job readiness, uh, substance to abuse support, okay. mentoring, of course, and, and social justice is actually the foundation. Okay. So reentry and working with ex-offenders and, 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 and such, you know, so it's pretty much coupled up. It's, it's, it's in, it, it encompasses everything pretty much that we've been doing over the years, everything that you and I have been doing. Right. Years, years. That, that's what it is today. Right. Okay. Well, we're going to uh, open up our lines and uh, we're going to take a break first, <clears throat> open our lines, come back and talk to some of the folks that uh, have been running programs like that for, for a long time and been focused on getting the brothers, fathers, children, working with our children a little bit. Uh, let them uh, add something to this conversation as well. Um, the call in number is 215. 215- Four nine zero nine eight three two for those of you who are on the internet, 
and would like to, to give us your comments. Uh, we are talking with uh, Mr. Philip Scott, uh, as I said, who I called the guru of mentoring, and he is going. He has been telling us about the um, the Opportunity Industrial Centers of Greater Milwaukee program that was run here uh, in Milwaukee. It ran right up until the time that OIC closed its doors. Um, <clears throat> so we just wanted you to get an idea, because hopefully that some of our listening audience has the desire to, to operate a mentoring program, or either if not operate, participate in one. And so this hopefully is a motivation for you as well uh, to do that. So we're, we're going we're gonna to take a quick break, and then we're going to come right back and um, talk to some of our audience about some of the programs that they did. Our next guest is really, really, really a spectacular individual, and he's real smooth to him, taking lessons from him. You know, when you get... When you get older, you want to be like a cat like this. It's my great pleasure to introduce Chicago's very own Oscar Brown Jr. For being black, for all I am plus all I lack. Please, sir, please, ma'am, give me some slack, cause I apologize. I apologize for being poor, for being sick and tired and so. Since I ain't slick, don't know the scope, I do apologize. I apologize because I bear resemblance most black people share. Thick lips, flat nose, and nappy hair. Yes, I apologize. I apologize for how I look, for all the lows and blows I took. On those Lord knows I'd close the book as I apologize. I apologize for all I gave, for letting you make me your slave. And go into my early grave. Yes, I apologize. I apologize for being caught, for being sold, for being bought, while being told I count for naught. Yeah, I apologize. I apologize for all I've done, for all my toil out in the sun. Don't want to spoil your righteous fun, so I apologize. I apologize and curse my kind for being fooled, for being blind, for being ruled and in your bind. Yes, I apologize. I apologize and curse my fate for being slow, for being late, because I know it's me you hate. Why not apologize? I apologize and tip my hat, because you so rich and free and fat. Son of a bitch, that's where it's at, and I apologize. Finley Medical Clinic. We serve uninsured, underinsured, and insured individuals. Open Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Urgent Care Clinic Friday and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Call for an appointment at 414-988-3079. Finley Medical Clinic is accepting new patients. Vaccines and screenings for uninsured, underinsured, and insured. Located at 10721 West Capitol Drive, Suite 110. Call our office for an appointment today. You are listening to Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. All right, we're 
right. Thank you, my sisters and brothers. <clears throat> we are back. Uh, we are talking tonight on mentoring uh, the African-American male. And uh, we are talking with uh, Mr. Philip Scott, who is the guru of that. I call he has done extensive marketing with one of the very large agencies of our country. And uh, we really appreciate the, the thoughts that he is bringing forward. Uh, in this discussion. So we want to kind of reach out to some of our others, but before I do that, I just want to uh, remind our audience of uh, two other pro other programs that operate on this network, uh, which is the um, Black Reality Think Tank Radio Network, which is all on the platform of the Time for an Awakening, as well as some on the Blog Talk Radio Program Network as well. On uh, Thursday evening from 6 uh, to 8 p.m., we have a program called Warriors Ray that's hosted by Brother Quasi Craft. Uh, that's every Thursday at 6 p.m. He's dealing with discussions leading up to uh, safety and uh, supervising our community for safety concerns and our families. Uh, very interesting program. Uh, please, if you get the opportunity to listen to Brother Quasi, he's on the Blog Talk radio network system. Just simply go to the Black Reality Think Tank Facebook page and all of the link on information is there or the phone number that you can use to call for that program. And then on on uh, Saturday afternoon from 3 o'clock uh, to 5 o'clock on Block Talk as well, we have Black Sister Talk with uh, Sister uh, Lawanda Chambers. This is a program dealing with young millennials and young women who are dealing with issues around motherhood, around children, families, nutrition, uh, mental health, and a lot of those things. As a matter of fact, um, on the 4th, they're going to talk about uh, mental health for black men and how sisters can help and get involved in that. And that's on Saturdays from 3 o'clock to 5, so if you get an opportunity, by all means, listen to that. Again, you can go to the Black Reality Think Tank Facebook page and uh, get the uh, link and the, and the call-in number for that. And then on Saturday evening from 6 to 8, uh, we have a program called uh, the Sankofa Council of Greater Milwaukee. Uh, that is a program of elders. The program is hosted by uh, a medical doctor, Dr. Janine James, and uh, Brother Kojo Robinson, uh, who is an attorney, and they are uh, looking at several issues that impact our community. They're looking at disparities, and uh, they have done a very jo good job of putting together the information there on Saturday evenings from 6 to 8. They'll be on this week, 6 to 8 o'clock. They're going to be looking um, at things involving uh, uh, our health concerns, as always, uh, one of the one of the big areas that they always employ, and so they'll be dealing with that. So you can also use that, and you can call in with this number, two one five four nine zero nine eight three two. They're on the Time for an Awakening uh, network as well. And then there's one other program that operates on Monday evening uh, called Gospel Gold. It's a program that deals with the history of the impact gospel music on the black community and what that really means and what it's done. That's on the Blog Talk Radio as well. That's hosted by Reverend Michael Rogers uh, out of North Carolina, and uh, that is a good program as well. And you can go to Gospel Gold website and get the link information for that. So those are just some other ideas. We have great programs that, that we are trying to promote 
and deal with. We've got a very exciting one going to be coming up in June. I'm going to hold on before I tell you who it is or what it is, but it is a good one. And uh, it is being uh, pulled together by actually one of the Black Reality Think Tank family members who is helping me pull that together. <coughs> and so we're going to do some great things with that. So with that, let's go now to our audience. I know I have in the audience uh, two brothers that I know for sure that have operated a mentoring program. One is Brother Tony Courtney at a program called For My Brothers, and we have Brother Terrence Ray, uh, who has uh, been doing, uh, done the fatherhood initiative. He's been very active uh, in pulling together the fatherhood. He did it uh, basically for the city of Milwaukee, and uh, he's done it for three or four years. Uh, powerful program. And so I want to start, let me start first with Brother Terrence, and let me ask him um, the kind of question that I left off with Mr. Scott, and that is um, if mentoring young black males today, is it possible that maybe we need to start with bringing the fathers back into the picture here? Uh, and I mean, I know the answer to that is yes, but it's also got to have a, a methodology to it as well. Uh, is that possible, you think, uh, Terrence, based on your years of, of working with uh, fatherhood? Can we bring them back into the fold to, to start doing more mentoring to this crucial age of young men that we see that are doing a lot of this shooting and, and automobile drag racing and, and stealing cars and all of the stuff that we are seeing now at high levels? What do you think? What are your thoughts on that, Brother Terrence? Oh, good evening, Dr. Good evening. Rogers good evening, and my my good friend Phil Scott over there in the AZ. How you doing, Phil? I'm doing just um, fine. How are you? I'm wonderful, man. Thank you for asking. Um, yeah, Doc, I think it's possible, but you know, like with anything, the times have changed, and we have to come up with some creative ways to do that. And I think you know, the use of technology, with you know, the <laughs> internet and. and and Facebook and, and all of the other social media platforms would certainly play a role because everybody, you know, accesses those things. But I also think at the end of the day, kids, are, young people are still young people right. in spite of all of the other influences that, you know, tap into their brain and the way they process things. Kids, at the end of the day, still want to feel love. And so... You know, if there's an opportunity to, you know, wake, if you will, wake the dads back up again and, 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 and remind them of the role that they play and the importance of the role that they play, you know, it, it would be one step closer to getting young people, uh, getting them reconnected, if you will. You know, Phil mentioned one of the things earlier that Phil mentioned economics as much because I think the economics and the finances do play a role. I've seen many, many studies over time that show that at the end of the day, again, kids just want to be loved and they want to be heard. And, you know, we combine those things and, uh, right. you know, give, and, 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 and earlier also, Doc, mm -hmm. I sent you a text indicating that, for me, one of the most important things to mentoring yeah, so that I learned from that I learned from you all was exposure, man. You know, you, connecting with you and a hundred <clears throat> black men, being exposed to the camaraderie that existed, and just being exposed to 
the national chapter yeah. and all of the things that take place. Yes, that's as right. I was ex- as I was exposed to things that I had never been exposed to before and those things excited me, I was able to take that level of excitement and share it with, you know, other people and get other folks excited. So, you know, it, it's going to take a combination of things. I don't think okay. there's one specific thing that is going to happen to turn the tide, but I definitely think love and exposure, you know, and just having a present, mm-hmm. a consistent present mm-hmm. in the lives of these kids, man. There's a, I think there's an African proverb that says if the kids don't, if the young people don't feel the heat of the village, man, they will, they, the warmth of the village, they will burn it down to feel the heat, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and so, you know, we gotta, we gotta make these babies feel warm, man. Right. So. That's beautiful. That's powerful. And that very clearly, yeah. <clears throat> you have lived that philosophy too, because I've seen you, I've watched you, I've watched you with the kids and I've watched you with the fathers. And you have done that. I remember you, uh, uh, one of the heightened points of 100 Black Men chapter in Milwaukee is when you got involved in the mentoring program. And we're, yeah. we're orchestrating a lot of the mentoring efforts. Yeah, really, thank you. Thank really you. You know, Terrence, you, know, uh, you, you, you invited me to a lot of the meetings. And I remember one meeting particularly, we were at St. Matthew's, and <clears throat> you, were, you were speaking, and you showed a commercial. I think that commercial was maybe, I don't, I don't even know if it was 15 seconds, uh, 30 seconds or so, but it was, a, it was a great commercial. It was you. And I think Salopin said that commercial cost uh so many millions of millions of dollars. But mm-hmm. uh, the one thing the one thing that I that I really liked to hear coming from one hundred black men was what they see is what is they, what they, they be. be. That's right. Yes sir, yes <laughs> sir, yes sir. That. That's I so true, it. man. That's so true, Phil. What oh, yes, so, what yes. they see is what they'll be. Yes. That was a model. That was a national right. model. And I managed to embrace that model and was able to raise the funds through the uh, couple of churches in the community and take uh, some young people to the national chapter, I mean, to the national conference. Right. And the reason, sure and this, 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 goes back to, this goes back to exposure, Doc, I attended the national conference on my own one time and I think it was in Detroit at the time. And I, what, what, what really excited me and, 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 and energized me to come back to our local chapter and raise the funds was because I saw the chapter from Florida mm. getting, off the, getting off the bus. And every one of those young kids had a 100 black man blue, blue blazer I remember on. You told me that. You told me that. And it was <laughs> like, oh, my God, I wanted our kids to. And they were so obedient. You know, but the one thing that I did end up doing that I pat myself on the back for is that the Madison chapter of 100 Black Men at the time, uh, they had taken kids to the National Conference and they had placed in the African-American History Bowl. Right. And I was like, we, and then we began to, to, to work with our kids. And the year that we took our kids, we placed third. For the first time, we had ever taken kids, Mm -hmm. and and, and ironically, we played third behind the Madison chapter, who played second, but I was just so proud 
that the organization stepped to the plate and we were able to take those young people to the conference and expose them. As a matter of fact, Doc, one of the young men that we took, when you talk about the long-term impact Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. mentoring, is Michelle Bryant, who's a host, a radio host on 860 Her, She entrusted her son to us at the time. At the time, he was only 14, 13. He's a grown man now, lives down, I think he lives in North Carolina, and he is doing some incredible things, man. And so, yeah, yeah, you know, mentoring is definitely powerful. And I have to say this because I I actually have to go. I heard you say you got Tony Courtney on the line. Yeah, I do. When you talk about mentoring, Tony Courtney, I consider both you and Tony a mentor. But if it, it was it was Tony Courtney, who is the very reason that I ended up becoming a member of 100 Black Men. Right. Because I met the membership chair at the time, and I had just gotten out of prison, and I was idealistic. I wanted to prevent young brothers from traveling the road I traveled. And the mentoring chair at the time, you know, was really self-consumed, and I wasn't. I wasn't trying to hear that, man. Right. He was telling me about the cars he had and everything. I wanted to hear how we was going to help our community, and I almost walked away. And I ended up getting exposed to Tony Courtney's pres- one of Tony Courtney's presentation, and it literally changed my life, man. Yeah. Yeah, and so, sure. you know, <clears throat> mentoring not only helps the mentee, it helps the mentor as well. No doubt about it. That's a fact. No doubt about it. Yeah, you're right. Well, I appreciate that, Terrence. Uh, yeah, stick with us a little bit if you can. Um, but uh, I really appreciate your your input on that. And I, and I do see what you're saying that you know it's, it takes one step at a time. You know, it, you're not gonna do this overnight. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna mute myself and listen for uh, uh, Baba Courtney, man, and, okay. and and Bill. I love you, man, Doc Rogers. I love you, and I'm gonna be listening. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate it love so much. You too, good all right. brother. Okay. All right. Yeah, now Terrence was saying that, you know, it was Tony Courtney that kind of got him uh, involved in the mentoring. Well, actually, Tony Courtney got me involved in the mentoring. I met Tony. He was one of the first people I met here in Milwaukee. I met him in around 1980. I got here in Milwaukee in 83. I met Tony Courtney around 84 and 85. I was a guest speaker uh, at the Art Fellows Hall in Milwaukee on King Drive. And Tony Courtney was in the audience with himself and another friend that's still a lifelong friend, Tommy Bourdain. And they were sitting in the audience. Uh, and after it was over, they came up to me and we talked. And, and after that, he took me around, showed me some things, and uh, just been, had been the same since. And I've known Tony for the long. He has an organization called For My Brothers. And he and I have done some marvelous things together in terms of mentoring, taking kids to camping, uh, oh, just all kind of stuff. So I want to introduce him and let him tell us a little bit uh, about uh, this because, like I said, he's been at it, I think, longer than, than all of us. And so he's, he really is the father. He's been on our program before. I didn't want to keep bringing him back on, but uh, I wanted I definitely appreciate him uh, for being here tonight. Uh, good evening, uh, Brother Tony. How you doing? Brother Courtney, how you doing? You might have your phone mute. I don't know. I'm not sure. Brother Courtney? 
Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you now. Okay, good enough. How you doing? Uh, brother, how you doing? Oh, wonderful, man. Thank you for being on here tonight. I know that mentoring word drew you here. It's like a fishing hook. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. Listen, uh, let me ask you, let me start off by asking you this, and then you can get into telling us a little bit about what you were doing. If you were to do a, uh, in, in your, well, I mean, you're doing it already, in your, uh, for my brothers, have you had to alter your curriculum uh, for this group of kids today in 2022? Are you doing anything different that you couldn't do in the, tw- in the 1990s? Not much, because the mentality is the same for the young warriors. Okay, all right. Is that what, what they admire most is men who are active uh, in their communities, whether they're in business, uh, whether they're in community organizations, if they're in trying to do something to establish the youth like we did with uh, Project Respect, where they had the basketball leagues and a number of the brothers participated, and they saw men participating for them and not getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that they saw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, refereeing or coaching or whatever. And we go back even you know farther than Project Respect, Bill, because like you say, when I met you in the 80s, we started for my brothers in 1987. Okay, all right. And we... And we started the the what we call manhood training camps. That's right. That's at, right. Um, <laughs> Inner city, in, in city development project right upstairs. And never forget that. And 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 the first uh, first two camps we did, we had thirty five boys, and we had boys from both Milwaukee and Chicago, and then the second we had twenty five boys, and what happened was basically this: we invited. Brothers like yourself, Nate Stampley, Tejamola Oliboni, a lot of the, those of us who are all in our 70s now. And back then, you know, we was like maybe almost half that age, maybe a little more than half the age. And each of the brothers brought to the camp their expertise. Mm-hmm. We were not competing because we were all in various different lanes, and we brought to the fellows things that we had lived and things that we knew based on what we were involved in in our lives. So it gave them a whole well-rounded presentation in terms of what was going on. But then we also included younger brothers who became part of the mentoring because a lot of times when we only did the classes, these young men would take them out, would run them, exercise, we would let them, one of the things we did when we first started dealing with the young men is that we told them, look, you can stay up as long as you want, but in the morning you're getting up at 6 o'clock. <laughs> and what happened is, you know, a lot of young men, they mess around. Most of these boys was 13 to 15 years of age, maybe one or two, 16, but we wanted to try to catch them early to get our indoctrination insight into them. Right. So, you know, they messed around to about 3 o'clock in the morning, then they went to sleep. But what happened is, at 6 o'clock, these other young brothers came in. I think probably Terrence might have been one of them at that time. Ben Watson, Reuben Hopkins, um, any number of brothers, and got them up, took them over to the track, run them. We didn't care if it was raining or not. You know, they come back and they drowse, and then they would have the classes. And the only rule in the classes was this. You couldn't go to sleep unless you could do it standing up. 
And that's one of the things we begin to give them a whole different concept of discipline. You know, basically, we only, I only, I only did the cooking, and um, and but what they needed to see was a group of men who was not just doing individual mentoring. It has its place, right? But a group can do mentoring a lot easier than it can for just one or two men trying to do things, right? You know, and bringing them together as a group <clears throat> rather than just the individual mentoring. Both has its place. But the group mentors is just like boys going to manhood camp, like just like we saw when they went to Roots. Because the impact of having all of these other kinds of men with different skills and abilities makes a greater impact than just what we do individually. Correct. Correct. Yeah, I think I joined you when you started going to Whitman Park. Uh, right. Yeah, I didn't do the up, I didn't do the ICDP office. I did the Whitman Park with you. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. We out there in the woods. <laughs> yeah, really. Mm-hmm. But that's excellent. That's excellent. Now, uh, what is is for my brothers still operating now? Yeah, but what for my brothers do is we moved on to a, a a different kind of mentoring. Okay. And what we mentor now is men. Okay. Because what happens is like when you look at, you know, it's just like anything else in, in the military. There's a downline, right, from mm-hmm. the generals to the colonels to the majors to whatever right right? and what has taken place as we've gotten older what we decided to do then was to go ahead because I look at how there's an upline in terms of how our young men see us see the heroes uh, elementary school boys is middle school boys okay why they bigger stronger faster smarter so that's who they look up to The heroes for middle school boys is high school boys. Why? They bigger, stronger, faster, smarter. Got the girls. Okay. For the high school boys, it's the college age. Bigger, stronger, faster, smarter. Got the girls. For the college age young men, it's usually those men who are either running businesses or in running organizations because they see them for the most part, in charge of doing things in their community and getting a certain level of respect. Then for a lot of the business people and older people, usually it is people who they have known that was instrumental in helping them to develop what they were trying to do and give them the insight at an early age. So a lot of the younger men that we had talked about who are now men who are now running things in businesses, have families, you know, they always give you the, uh, what can I say, they give you the, um, always recognize for you helping them along the way because they had a right. memory. Because we, we helped them how to navigate what they were trying to accomplish. We weren't trying to compete against them. Yes. Okay. Because a lot of times what happened, a lot of older men, they want to compete against the uh, younger men a lot of the competition. So what we try to do now for my brothers is eliminate that whole concept of the competition and develop the team so that we can begin to compete with the resources and spoils that the world has to have that other men of other races are competing against each other for. Right. And so that's what we've basically been doing now. And then I see now that even at our age now, because we have the history bill, you know, I mean, all of us that were involved back in the day, I think 
everybody is at least 70 plus now. Yep, that's right. You know, and so it's incumbent upon us to address what needs to go on in our community. Yes, yes. You know, and we uh, cannot allow ourselves, as they say, to be kicked to the curb with nobody valuing our opinion to the day we close our eyes for the last time. Right. Because I think there's a little saying, our parents used one of the sayings, if the warriors don't feel the heat, they will burn down the village. And that heat is simply the love, the warmth. A lot of the young people out here are not seeing the love. And so what we have to do now is we have to provide the insight for the older men, those, those who are 60, then down those old who are 50, because they have a greater understanding of what's taking place. They've had to go through things with their families, relationships, their children, and they are looking for insight all the time of how to address and navigate what's going on in this system. Yes. And we hold the key to that. There's a little saying that goes, another African saying is that when an elder dies, a library burns down. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, that's, you that's, know, that's, uh, that's hits right on the head. Yeah, Phil. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, uh, but Phil, how you doing, man? I'm doing just fine, brother Tony. How you doing, man? Good. Uh, Great seeing you. I saw the uh, thing that came out and I saw you. I said, yeah, I know that brother. Let me get my <laughs> I get on the line tonight. Well, you know, uh, I remember Dr. Rogers brought you over to one of the meetings. We were talking, and I appreciate him being calling me the guru, but uh, you started talking about boys, and you you had you had one finger pointing on the other hand, everything boys, 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 and you had a breakdown on everything that you were saying. Now I, I said. Wait a minute, let me sit down and listen, you know. And later on, uh, I told Dr. Rock, I said, man, that thing is bad, you know. And he, oh, man, Tony, no, no, I've seen him around, but I never really heard him speak like that, you know. And so I was just really just overtaken with the, with the information that you were disseminating at the time, you know. And uh, as he said, guru, in my view, you are the guru. <laughs> well, all of you, all of you, the can gurus, I, man. <laughs> can I can I yeah, add something, yeah. guys? Excuse me, Doc. Oh yes, uh-huh. go right I ahead. Have to, I have to. I have to. I have to. Uh, I had to uh, uh, agree with what Phil's just description. The description Phil just offered because I graduated from MATC in 1991 with a degree in marketing and I was so proud of myself and as I was trying to think about how I was celebrated I had a graduation party back then and you know your typical graduation party is you know you had your food and you're dancing and you're partying and all of that and I had been exposed to Tony's uh presentation where he talked about how uh he, he gave some of what he just gave just now and he talked about how other men in, in, in other cultures uh, uh, handle their community and and it, it, I, I was so captivated by it my graduation party was Tony Courtney doing the presentation and folks came <laughs> thought they was going to eat up some food and, 
and you know, and and just party, party, party. Well, they came to eat something, but it was the knowledge that Tony Courtney was bringing, man. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I don't know if Tony, if you remember that, man. I but, remember. I remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, man. And I'll never forget that, man. And I yeah. always, you know, like I said, he's been a mentor to me, and you know, I just love him for that, man. And yeah. and and like he said, you know. I'm 60 now, and, you know, I'm trying to impart the same kind of knowledge and, and wisdom that Tony gave me back then because I had just gotten out the joint when I was introduced to Tony, and 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 so I'm trying to give back some of that stuff that both Tony and you, Dr. Rogers, have given me. That's beautiful. And you're doing it. You're doing it, my brother. You are. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Let me go over here to another brother uh, who has uh, who has also uh, contributed to this uh, this movement or idea. Uh, his brother uh, he has a program called the Wake Up Program, <clears throat> and he's uh, actually working with um, yeah, you, Phil. Is that correct? And he's working with you on this. Uh, yes, he is. Okay. In every in every endeavor. All right. And this is one of another <laughs> one of our very good friends and dear brothers. Um, that uh, has been a powerful instrument in our community. Brother Alfonso Watkins, how you doing, my good brother? How you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing wonderful, Baba. It's good to hear the frequency of you four warriors who have had an impact on my life as well, man. So it's good to all be right. amongst y'all, man. So all it's right. good. I'm all good. Yep. Tell yeah. us a little bit about the Wake Up Program, what you were trying to do. Um... The Waco program, once again, come out of, you know, the, the grassroots, um, what was happening in Milwaukee at that time when I got out the service. I mean, I got out the service in 92. Um, I was born and raised in Milwaukee, but like I say, watching Tony and um, Teju and um, Oshi, and then, you know, getting a, getting a feel of you as well when I got a little older, um, just wanting to have an impact on you know the um, community uh, working with young brothers and sisters so the wake up program came out of that um that that relationship and okay. it started off as a mentoring and tutoring program on first time juvenile offenders program um, um a latino brother um jose flores man he really got a lot of brothers and sisters man um latinos uh, and, and, and brothers and sisters in the game with as as it relates to getting access to some uh, to some funds for their organizations to provide mentoring and um, tutoring at that time. Um, so so that's what it you know started as, and then it just evolved as I evolved um, as it relates to going to school, and that's where I met Phil at, um, and, and even Terrence. I think I mean I'm running into Terrence down at MATC as well, uh, but meeting brothers. And uh, just building those relationships, and, and like everybody is saying, Tony's um, presentation, man. You know, I thought I knew a little something coming out the service. <laughs> but once I saw that presentation, once I saw the presentations you, and the number, you know, <laughs> it just changed. It was really a paradigm shift. Right. Um, that that yeah. presentation really <sighs> gave you a paradigm shift about the reality of numbers, the reality of what we thinking we can accomplish by ourselves. So it, it really impacted how, um, as as I began to grow in my own manhood, um, how I perceived what I would be able to do, not just by myself, but with a collective group of brothers who are attempting to do the same thing in that in that community. Right, right, powerful. 
Yes, indeed. I've, I've, <clears throat> I've been so impressed with that. Uh, Brother Watkins, he started a program just as he left to go to Arizona uh, called the Elders of Sankofa. He is actually the one that started the program that broadcasts on Saturday uh, evening at 6 o'clock here on the uh, uh, Black Reality Think Tank. <clears throat> and uh, the, the idea was some of those principles that you talked about uh, and uh, putting those in operation in our community and getting the adults to come to the table and that program is still working. It's up and going. Uh, you know, like anything, it's, it's going to take an effort to really keep it full, moving forward. But it's still there. Right. And so right. That's um, it. And, and and part of what, once again, um, just being in that environment with you brothers, um, and and recognizing as as Tony is always talking about the um, the the different stages of of our development and the. Um, importance of creating mechanisms or institutions to mm -hmm, help mm -hmm. um, help us, in male and female, navigate through these different stages of development so that we can transition into the next phase of our human development equipped with the uh, necessary decision-making, coping skills, uh, networking um, um, components that's needed as it relates to mentoring. Mm -hmm. um, so, 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 like I said, you you asked Brother Phil some critical questions. I would just like to elaborate on moving forward into the 21st um, and 22nd century. I think it's critical that we begin to um, look at this from a perspective. And, and like I said, y'all know y'all know me. I'm always going to be talking about warfare. <laughs> right. Um, <'cause>, <laughs> <laughs> we we got to start. We have to, family, start strategically and logistically looking at how are we going to prepare ourselves and our seeds to function in a world where they are under attack and, right. and, and creating right. mechanisms and creating um, resources for them to be able to sustain themselves through these critical stages of their human development. So, so when you was asking Brother Phil about what the curriculum would look like, um, I, um, Tony has been talking about this for years. So, so I just think it's critical that we put together a curriculum that, from the womb to the grave, is that curriculum. Yes. It, it's how are we going to prepare our offspring coming through the womb. And like Tony just saying, you know, my brother's, for my brothers, you know, brothers in their 70s and 80s, the wisdom that they have, they need to be, we need to create a space for them to um, disseminate those experiences to the to the young brothers. So, right. so I just wanted to just add that. I'm, so I think it's critical we start thinking from that perspective. Beautiful, beautiful. Hey, Alfonso, can I, hey, brother Alfonso, how you doing, man? What's up, brother T? What's up? All right, all right. I, I have just a question because when you talk about, uh, I, I think it was Tony that met, that mentioned, uh, you know, the, made the connection between the, the older brothers in the library, and as both Tony and uh, uh, Dr. Rogers know, I have an elderly mentor and my man Paul Gordon, 73, man. He let oh, me yeah. hang out with him. So, oh, yeah. you know, one of the things that, you know, you guys know, I, we used to do a grandfather celebration uh, every year with the Fatherhood Initiative. And um, after I left, you know, they claimed for budget reasons they stopped doing it. But at that time, I was in 
early discussions with McDonald's Corporation because one of the things I noticed, and I talked to Tony about this, I used to notice the brothers at the McDonald's on Ninth and North, and then, you know, I actually went on the South Side and noticed that McDonald's was a gathering point for elderly brothers. And Tony had mentioned because they feel basically discarded by the community, so they go in McDonald's and hang out with each other. Right. Now, mm-hmm. we fast forward to, to COVID, and I don't know about other McDonald's across the country. I know here in Milwaukee, the lobbies in McDonald's aren't even open anymore. So my question is, where them older brothers at now? Because I can't go to McDonald's and find them. Mm. And it's like, where are they now? Mm-hmm. Mm, that's a good and, point. And, and oh. because when Alfonso talked about, you know, making the curriculum and the importance of the elderly brothers, <laughs> for me, those brothers who used to hang out at McDonald's, they, I had my, my sights set on them to include them in whatever curriculum that I was going to put together. You know, once I got the resources and everything, they were definitely going to be a part of whatever I did moving forward. And it's like, I could always go there. I could depend on the McDonald's and catching them in the morning, going in there, having coffee with them. And it's like now, I mean, I know I could go over to Clinton Rose or something, but it was like, that was the gathering point for right. them. And, right. and, and, and since COVID, it's like, they're not even there anymore. Yeah, yeah that's right. It's changed a lot. You're right. Okay, that's a, a very good point. I want to, I wanna, in a minute, get to... Uh, We've got some sisters online. I want to see what the sisters have to say about this conversation and uh, uh, giving us something from their perspective. But before I do, I just want to make sure I don't always forget my good friend, Brother Herbie White, uh, who is a uh, dedicated listener to our program. Make sure he wants to say something. Brother White, how are you doing this evening? Brother White, Brother Herbie, your phone might be muted. You might want to. Yeah, good evening, Dr. Rogers. Yes, good sir. evening to all of your guests. All right. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. I just want to thank them for all of the work that, they, that they've that they done. You know, I grew up in New York City, and, you know, in Brooklyn, we didn't see much of that. Right, right. You're right about but, that. You right. know, one of the most important things for young people is to know that somebody cares about them and that they belong to something. Right. If they don't have anything to belong to, that's why they join gangs, because they belong to something. Mm-hmm. Even though it's negative, they still belong to something. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. the fact yes. that you did somebody, just somebody, and, and, and also mentoring is also role models. Yeah. You know, a young yeah. person responds to a mentor because they see something in that mentor that they like about that they would like to be. Yeah. Exactly. That's true. Exactly. Exactly. I just have to chime in. That's why I became a member of a hundred black men right. at the Milwaukee chapter. Because Tony and, and Doctor Rogers and the brothers, I felt a part of it in addition to the name. That name was so powerful for me. Right. You know, one hundred black men. That was that meant to me and to become a part of that organization was just I, I felt like I belonged to something powerful right and not you only know, did you uh, come in not only did you come in you came in and took on a leadership role that was that was yeah. 
powerful thing about it. Well, you know, Terrence, that, that's how I felt coming out of Kempo Goji. You know, it, it wasn't just about the but the martial arts. The fact that I was being trained by Charles Warren, man, you know. And yeah, Dr. Mr. Warren, yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. and during that time, I asked him some, something, was it still a part of the curriculum? He said no, but that was one of the major things for me in Kempo Goji, man. Was, it's, it's called Makutsa Naxious Meditation and we did that all the time and, and some of the things that he said in, in meditation but just even in the class even, he even assisted in build, helping me to build my vocabulary you know such, such a, a diversified individual you know, he taught more than martial arts he just taught so many different things he just made me a proud person a very very proud individual not an arrogant person but right a proud and he and humble person because he taught me a lot of things man a lot <clears throat> okay it, let's it, go it, to it, some... it, dr rogers before you go to the women i i i want it just like with tony i just want to let you know something too and and, and it speaks to mentorship I remember when you were encouraging me to run for the presidency of 100 Black Men. I sure did. And, and because, because prior to becoming a member, you know, my relationship with my dad was not, the, and this is to the brother's comment about, you know, providing examples. My relationship with my dad was not such where I gained confidence. And I ended up going to prison. And when I came out, I became a member of 100 Black Men. And so my confidence was not there. And I didn't think that I was worthy. Or I didn't think that I could carry, you know, that responsibility of being a president of an organization. So it was like, well, let me just work the backdrop and help somebody else become president. And I remember distinctly you telling me, you know, you, could, you had the vote, Terrence. You could become the president. And I didn't. I didn't have that confidence. Right, so right. fast forward, somebody else became president. But it's like I look back now at 60 at those times, and it's like, right. you know, oh, the confidence is definitely there now. Yeah, but it's like, yeah. you know, you saw something in me then, yeah, you know. Sure did. And I oftentimes think about what the organization would have been had I become president. But, you know, I just wanted to add that, too, and give an example of how, you have been an influence and, and, and a major part of my life and how important it is to have, you know, mentors at every developmental stage of a, of a man's life. Right. Very important. And you what I saw have, was your leadership. You also have the power. Your you leadership. Have, you have the power. Yeah. You have the power. You remember that meeting we were at MATC? <laughs> Never forget it. <laughs> And if something didn't work out, you said something, I don't know. You had all of us, we're going to walk out. Right, you know right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you had the power. You know, yep. you, you did. Yep, that's right. And we were ready. We were ready to walk. It was probably about 10 or 12 of us. Yeah, those were some real powerful days. They were really developed. Tony, Tony and I had the same thing. Tony when I was president, Tony was serving with me 
uh, on the committee. I think, Tony, you were vice president then, weren't you? Tony? You might, okay, you might have his phone off. <clears throat> yeah, I'm here. Okay. okay. Yes. You were vice president then, weren't you? I think so, Bill, yeah, at I that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and those were some battles, man, you know, just getting brothers to work. I mean, we weren't, I mean, it wasn't like we were fighting because we hated each other. We were, you know, we were jockeying for power, you know, and men. Right. Yeah, we were trying to, you know, put things together. We wanted to, you know, and so we stood up. And I saw Terrence that way. I saw him with the capabilities or the strength uh, to make men uh, listen to him. And uh, and mm-hmm. I'm appreciative of that. So that's why I said, talk, man, you need to run for president. You know, and uh, like I said, you know, it take, would take a little bit longer for us to get that done, but you know, we had to do. All right, let me let me see what our sisters got to say. Obviously, let me go to our our main one of our main supporters of the Black Reality Think Tank is Sister Benicia Well out of Greensboro. How you doing, Sister Benicia? Oh, greetings, Doctor Rogers. How are you? Wonderful. Doing great. Okay. All right. Good. I am loving what I'm hearing. I'm, I mean, my heart is full. Um, okay. Much respect to, to the brothers, to the elders. Just so much respect and love for what you're doing and what you've done. Oh, man, I'm about near tears, I'm telling you. <laughs> because we need this so much. So I will say very quickly, um, everything I'm hearing is our culture, it's African culture. This is the way that Africans, um, or the village, this is the village, the elders here and the brothers, this is an example of the village raising the boys. Uh, And why, you know, when when I talk about culture, why we have to reclaim our culture, because this is being articulated beautifully but this is what we do. This is what we do in the motherland and in and, and other places where we are. Um, and, and I want to share this quickly because I'm, obviously I'm a woman, but um, I had a brother uh, that I linked up with after not seeing him for about a few years tell me that I changed his life, and he was in tears. And I'm looking at him saying, what? And he said, "You," because he and I had a little tiff. And I said, let me get this man, because he was a, you know, alpha man. I said, let me get him with the brothers. So I linked him up with some brothers, and those brothers did what they did with him, and he had come out of, uh, out of prison, doing, doing several years in prison. When the brothers, you know, got linked up with him, next thing you know, he's doing real estate. He's having a family. I mean, his whole life turned, changed around. So we need our black men. And let's keep on passing that culture down. And and thank you, thank you for this. Thank program. you so much. Appreciate that. We've got a uh, we've got a verse. That's pa- powerful, Doc. Right. We've that's got a guest. Because Carmen Carmen told me about a hundred black emphasis, Doc, and everybody on the call that knows me knows who Carmen is. My my ex-wife. Carmen told me about a hundred black men when I got out of prison. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. And I know she was on it. That's my. That's my. Yeah. <laughs> Sister Carmen, lovely Bill. All right. I just wanted to remind you of something. Is something that probably the other brothers who were part of Hundred Black Men did not know at the time that we started it. It was five of us. Hundred Black Men had just been established. 
the mm-hmm. the fee was a thousand dollars a man at the time to join. Right. But before they got that established, the five of us, Ocean, uh, James Hall, who's an attorney, right. yourself, myself, and I think it was Ken Little. Yeah, Ken we Little. had right. that you could join a hundred black men in Milwaukee for sixty bucks. Sixty bucks. That's right. Oh yes, Tony. Oh my that? God, Tony. And, I- Look, that's when I became a member because the controversy was the national, you know, you guys, and this is what I remember, and I tell this story to this day. You guys wanted the, the chapter to be accessible to the average brother. You wanted you know, grassroots. And the rest of the chapters around the country were charging. They made it sort of like, you know, elitist. They, right. they made the membership fee so high that you know you had to have you know a thousand dollars become a member but you guys wanted to keep the membership it was a one-time initiation fee of a hundred dollars and then 80 something dollars it, it was so accessible it's to worse, the common worse, regular yeah. brother on the street right. but national there was a controversy with the national i remember that distinctly tony Good. all right mm-hmm. well look let me I, I need to go to this guest because this is a gentleman that uh, all of you know, uh, you talk about mentor. He has been a mentor to many. And uh, I'm so happy he was able to log on. He's also been a guest on our program before. Uh, his name is Mr. Charles Warren. Uh, they say they call him Yoda. Good afternoon, Brother Warren. How you doing? Brother Warren? Hi. How you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Good, good. Uh, welcome, welcome. What you have any remarks for us? <laughs> well, my mentee was Philip Scott. He was a young man. All right. <laughs> and, and look look what he has become. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. You did a wonderful job. You did a wonderful job with Philip Scott. I, you, don't, you don't know how many times I've heard your name. You don't know how many times I've heard your name. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is, a, is this Chuck Warren? The, 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 for, did you used to be a... Hall A that Rufus King back in the day? Absolutely. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you you? <laughs> yeah, man, man. Oh, my God, man. man I'm so glad Tim, I got on this call, man. <laughs> Tim, the first, the first black martial arts uh, dojo State of Wisconsin. Fifty years, fifty years plus now. I can't wait to tell my mother, man. <laughs> he used to keep us. I'm serious. I, he used to keep us in line, and my mother used. To, I used to cause so much trouble. But when she came up to that school, Mr. Warren had us in check so much. He loved her, so Mr. Warren. I can't wait. I'm when I get off this call, I'm gonna call my mom and let her know. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Mr. Warren, any any words of uh, wisdom you want to leave us in terms of this mentoring concept and working with these young black males today on the streets of Milwaukee? Well, you know, each one, teach one. Okay. Basically. Somebody's got to take some of these young brothers underneath their wing and stick with them. Let them know that you love them, that you know you're going to follow up with them, check on them time to time, help them out when they need, need some help. You know, be there for them when they need you. And a lot of times, uh, a lot of these brothers now, they, 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 they're they selfish. 
they're only concerned about themselves, how they look, the kind of car they can drive versus all these young brothers looking for leadership, and there's none there. It's tough. Right. The, the community we used to, to, to engulf and, 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 and grab these kids, including myself coming up, and uh, we, we had accountability. The community made us accountable. Neighbors made us accountable. But now that's changed. These cats out here now uh, used to be what we call humble. They're not humble. They're very aggressive, short fuses, disrespectful. And then when you, when you talk to them or encounter them, they'll say, okay, old school, I hear you. You know, they do know. Right. But there's no reinforcement out there. There's not enough of those old guys, older individuals, taking them underneath the wings and, hey, this is how you become a man. It's expected of, you, of a young man turning into a full-grown, respectable, caring man. That's just right. tough to do nowadays. Exactly right. Exactly right. <clears throat> Mr. Warren, you, are you, you're, you're still the police chief in, uh, was it, Palermo, Wisconsin? No, no, I, I, I retired out of that and became the judge there for 10 years. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yes, indeed. Beautiful. I remember when you were on with uh, the former police chief of Milwaukee with us on the program. You remember that program we were talking about? Yeah, 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 for sure. So, yeah, so that's great. Well, I appreciate you coming on uh, tonight, today with us. And next time, maybe she can get you on a little bit longer and uh, talk a little bit about more because this is so critical what we're doing tonight. Uh, this is the, Indeed, indeed. I'd love to. Anytime. Yes. This but, is, but, but just remember, Doc, when you bring him on. I know. I got to get you too. I, I know. No, no, no. I said he, he, he's the Yoda. Yoda. Okay. Yeah, Yoda. Okay. Yoda. What, what does that mean? Give me the definition. What, what does Yoda mean? It's like it's like uh, like almost like a guru. Uh, okay, okay. Person who can pretty much answer a lot of different things. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, it's, it's associated with some stem, you know. Okay. Good. Well, brothers and sisters, uh, obviously, uh, and as some of you, I know I didn't get to like my good brother Timothy. Uh, it's, we only got two minutes left. Uh, the time goes so fast, when you, especially when something this energized. But that's okay, Doc. That's okay, though. I listened, and that was good. Beautiful. And I want to we'll talk about it another Tuesday. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll get back. And I missed out on uh, uh, my sister out of Texas. Uh, sister, I think this is uh, Sister Lotus. Did you? Sister Lotus from Texas? I'm here, I'm here supporting. You know, I'm all about the brothers supporting the community. That's the village. Okay. I love it. All right. And Sister Peace out of Minnesota. Is that you? Sister Peace out of Minnesota. Peace, peace. Thank uh, you for the conversation. I truly enjoyed okay. it as a mother of three sons. All right. Thank you. I'm so sorry I didn't get a chance to call on you because, you know, but she's a mom with the sons. Sister Lotus is a mm -hmm. mom with sons. Talk about them all the time. Uh, but we'll do this again uh, because this has been earned. Now, Sister Marquita mm -hmm. just logged yeah. on a few minutes ago. Uh, so we just got to kind of... Uh, go past you this time, but we'll come back next time. Phil, you want to give us some closing remarks? I, I, I'd just like to say thank you very much for, <clears throat> excuse me, having me on and uh, mentioning something uh, that is, is a passion of mine and will always be. Uh, and I, I am a people person. I believe in people. Okay. And sometimes people say that's my, down, my downfall, but actually that's my strong suit. And uh, I believe in people, and I thank all of you for believing in me. I really do. 
And I thank all of you for helping me to be what I am today because it, it, it not only took my mother and father and Mr. Warren, it took all of you guys too. Uh, and real quickly, it's just like guys out on the street fighting and arguing, competing about bad stuff. Me and Terrence used to compete about who's going to be the best at this or that, that is, and how we're going to help somebody. Okay. So we had a, a, a positive competition on how we're going to you know, do something really okay. good this person, that person, or program, you know. All right. Well, I got I to cut you off. It's 9 o'clock. Uh, so thank you so much, Phil, for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Tony, uh, Terrence. Uh, man, bless all of you. We'll be back here next Tuesday, uh, 7 o'clock, Central Time, same time. Have a wonderful week, my brothers and sisters, and I'll talk to you then. All right. Love you, Doc. Thank Take you. Care, Take care. Take care. Tell your mama say hello. Okay. <laughs>